Welcome, sports fans, to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JTandTheDon at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don, Donato Bucci. And remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you find all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember to please leave us a five-star review. Thank you to Nicole Thompson for the great introduction, as always, and to our guy Mike Regina with the Pump Up Music. We have a special guest with us today, but first, let me welcome in everyone's favorite, JT, Jimmy Thompson. How you feeling today? Good, man. Glad to have you back. I don't know why you wanted to come back because there's two of us. So you usually know when there's a guest, it doesn't bode so well. For you. I feel like this guest is going to be on my side. He usually is. He I, feel usually like should, is. I feel like we should get metrics and analytics of how many times you said that and that shit has not worked out. Go ahead. Work on that. Have it come out the budget. Just don't have it come out of my uh, fake paycheck. How about that? Hey, look, if it's a fake paycheck, I mean, you shouldn't feel bad about losing fake money. Gotcha. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, our special guest today is the host, producer, creator, everything of the Internet Sensation Show, hashtag This Just In, and our in-house resident Green Bay Packer expert, Justin Marville. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for joining us. How are you? I've never gotten an introduction not good from even my mother. Like, good gosh, thanks. I can... I'm going to have to come on this show or he's Tate record that part and put that as the intro for hashtag this Justin. I'm going to talk to Neil about that. Though. Go ahead. Listen, it's easy when it's true. That's that's my motto. It's easy I'm just when gonna it's say true. This right now, man. Anytime he's being this nice to you, it comes with the price. Nothing is free. Uh, no. man, you will you will see. You will see, man. I'm trying. I'm trying to tell you, man. Just he he. It, the, it looks nice with the glasses and the hair. And he, you know, he's like, oh, he's an unassuming guy. Nah, trust me. There, there is, there's always a hidden agenda with this guy. But hey, look, I don't have to say it anymore. You'll see. Justin, Can we start that, the show though. Justin, that's something JT would would say. Um, JT, before we start the show, real quick, wanted to let our listeners know uh, this is our first episode since the turn of the of the new year. We wanted to do one last week, but we didn't feel uh, you know quite up to it in, in talking sports after what happened to Demar Hamlin on the Monday night game in week 17. But now that um, he is back home in Buffalo, seems to be doing well. We wish him a speedy recovery. Um, and to, you know, everyone that made that happen with all the first responders and trainers, you know, great job. Thank you for, we're thankful for people like that. And, um, you know, it, it feels okay to talk about sports again, JT. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're we're one hundred percent glad to hear that he's making a full recovery. He's back home with his family, and we just hope he continues to get better. And I know it's not important. I, whatever he decides to do with the rest of his life, I just hope he's able to do. If that means returning to football, I hope he's able to do it and stay healthy. There's nothing else I can add. Like I mean, we all saw what happened and how we all felt. And at that moment in time, football, sports, just were not important. So. Speedy recovery, and thank God that he is. I hope we can live a normal life after this. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. So let's switch gears and kick the show off. Um, 
Justin, you know, there's no way around talking about the Packers. So we're just going to rip the bandaid off and go right into it. Guys lost on Sunday night to the Lions. Playoffs on the line. So you guys are out. You're at home, just like all of us. First thing I want to talk about is Aaron Rodgers. You know that's what they're going to say. But I want to hear from you. Is Aaron Rodgers to blame for the Packers not making the playoffs? Um, I give it a kind of 50-50 split. But anytime you're making $50 million per season and then your numbers are, what, 26 and 12, as in 26 touchdowns and 12 interceptions on a year, following back-to-back MVP campaigns, of course, you have to shoulder a level of blame. Like you're talking about uh, arguably a top-10 quarterback of all time. If you ask him, he'll probably put himself in the top five. But, yeah, like when you're making that money and then you have the departures of uh, Devontae Adams, Corey Lindsley from the year before, um, your offensive coordinator is gone, your quarterback's coach is gone, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is also gone. Like, the when you're paid this much money, the expectation is that you're going to elevate everyone around you to a level that the Green Bay Packers are accustomed to for the last three seasons before this. So, yeah, he has to shoulder a level of blame. Um, but again, we talked about this on my show, JT, there's also a level of blame that has to go to head coach. How much of that, I don't know, has to go to him because we know Aaron Rodgers has the has been given the authority and the ability to change plays at the line of scrimmage. And we know that he likes to audible a lot. I told you, JT and Don, maybe hearing this for the first time, a lot of the problems with what transpired, not just because of a lack of talent, but how the roster was constructed, it should have been obvious that this team should have been a run-first offense from the get-go, from snap one. And the issue is, is that that didn't happen until the Dallas game. When you look at the roster, the two best skill position players are indeed two running backs, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Then the next best skill position player, Alan Lazard, his best trait is run blocking. Then the next best skill position player in Christian Watson, he is a burner. And we talked about this. The way to get a burner down the field is by a play action when every defender sucked in and then you can get that fast guy behind everyone else. And that's where you saw most of Christian Watson's touchdown production. All of this, if you look through your roster, then your two best offensive linemen were now coming back from injury in uh, Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari. All of that should have told you you don't have the talent up front to be Pass blocking one-on-one. You can't go five wide because you don't trust the receiver core you have. You don't have Devontae Adams. You don't have Corey Lindsley anymore. You don't have Nathaniel Hackett. Everything pointed towards with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon being your best skill position players. This should be a run-first offense, and that was not the case until the lower third of the season. That is exactly why we bring on Justin for that Green Bay expertise you know, insight right there. But Justin, you're being too nice. You can come on our show and rip people. It's it's okay. Yeah, I was it's about, okay. I, I, was, I was about to say, man. Look, man, you, it, we, we we don't really do the 50-50 thing on here. So if you're gonna be mean, be <laughs> mean to somebody. Like go, gotta be one of them boys. But it sounds like you want to throw them both under the bus and hit reverse. Yeah, go harder, go home. So I'm going, of course, it's Aaron Rodgers to blame because. His complaining, his uncertainty, whether I don't know what I want to do, that drove off Devontae Adams. And there no passing attack early in the year because of a couple rookie receivers. Other guys are young. Like, 
that affected them not having Devontae Adams in that that slide early on is the re- part of the reason why they didn't make the playoffs. Then you look at the other reason why they make the playoffs was his direct play then. In the game that they needed the most against Detroit, win or go home, they went home because he throws for only 205 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Justin, that's that's on the quarterback. Then you look at he had not one game of over 300 yards this year. That's incredible. If I would have told you make a bet at the beginning of the year that Aaron Rodgers starts 17 or plays the season, doesn't have one game over 300 yards, you would have been like, I'm taking the over. He's going to at least get one. Then you look at his last five games of the year, one touchdown only in each of those five when they needed him the most. Furthermore, you said it earlier, 12 interceptions. That's the most since his first year as a starter in the league. That's crazy. Then the lowest yard since 2013. We're talking nine seasons. And then you've got the bad body language, the bad, the non-leadership of young guys. That's all on him. You can't blame Christian Watson. You can't always blame the play calling. You can't blame Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon in the offensive line. The defense was fine. Like, it's all on Aaron Rodgers. I'm sorry. Again, like the Devontae Adams point, no. I think Devontae left because Aaron probably told him he doesn't have more than one or two more seasons left in Green Bay. And obviously, Devontae Adams is still the best or at the very worst second best receiver in the game. So Devontae Adams doesn't want a part of a rebuilding project. That's obvious. <laughs> Although he's walked right into one if he didn't realize himself. But they, yeah, you're, I can't argue with you. You're, you were paid this money to raise a level. And anyone in Green Bay can tell you, Aaron Rodgers is not a leader. He, he leads by his play. And if your play is low, like, is not, like he's not going to motivate you. He's not a rah-rah guy. He said it himself. And he's not a very patient, bring you along sort of guy. Like, you've seen it. Like, you see, you watch the games. He is going to steer you down. He's going to put you in a doghouse. A lot of people don't know. And as Devontae Adams' rookie season, he was in a doghouse for a lot of it. Like, he does not trust young rookie receivers. That's how it goes. And he's not going, he's not willing to live with the mistakes. And had he lived with those early mistakes, then Christian Watson may have progressed a lot faster than it took. Like midway through the season, um, Romeo Dobbs, I thought Romeo Dobbs should have been on the field a lot more. But again, he got injured midway through the season and again was in Aaron Rodgers' doghouse. And early in the season, you heard him say, those who are not playing or making mistakes should not really be getting as many snaps. And then my question was, then what about you? (laughs) <laughs> well aren't you making the mistakes because you're the day of the 12 interceptions and touching the ball every single snap but oh now you um, want to dip now you want to dip your toe into the deep end and be mean to somebody when i when we gave you the opportunity to start off the show and rip somebody a new one <laughs> like it, this is obvious it's obvious it's aaron Rodgers. you know why because nobody gives a shit about matt lafleur he's not going to go in anybody's hall of fame nobody <laughs> thinks he's the best coach they definitely don't think he's the best coach of green bay history so guess what it's on the guy that you guys are saying is getting paid $50 million. He's the he's multiple-time MVP, coming off the of MVP from last year. And guess what? He Whether it's other people or it's himself, he's putting himself in the top five quarterback of all-time conversation. So if that's you, it's you, and it's always your fault. Just like it's always Brady's fault when it's not successful. And here's the one thing. I agree with you guys. Bad body language, all that stuff. Everything in Green Bay that has gone wrong is his fault. 
There's a reason why Devontae Adams is there, isn't there. Because he couldn't get his money. Had nothing to do with a rebuilding project. Guess what? My my guy who I thought was a friend went in and took his money first, took his cut, and then left me with the leftovers. So I had to go get my bag somewhere else. Like it's always Aaron Rodgers from the offseason being a diva. Am I going to retire? Am I not? I want this. All these cryptic tweets. I, I, instead of showing up and building camaraderie with my guys, I want to go smoke some shit in the offseason with some girl I'm not even going to be with by week six. It's always <laughs> him. He's always the problem. And here's even here's even the worst thing when it comes down to, in my opinion. This is why they wouldn't got Jordan Love. You forgot before you had this miraculous MVP run, he was playing like shit, just like he played this year. This is what people were saying, like, is he done? Is he going to survive? Like, start looking at the future. It's because of seasons like this, and I feel like he tricked the Packers into thinking there was more left to the take than there actually was. It's, it's no different than a guy who is looking done, and then he's on that one-year deal, plays good enough, gets a deal, and then he tricks the team. It's it's his fault. It's always going to be his fault as long as he's making the most money and he's not taking the younger guys under his wing. Any success that they don't have is always going to be on him. So I'm not even going to ask anybody else to rebut that. It's the truth. It's Aaron Rodgers. But, Justin, I will ask you this because this is the multi-million dollar question. Has Rodgers played his last game for the Packers? If anyone but Aaron Rodgers tells you they know that, then they're a liar. Like, I thought that was the case last season, and guess what? They found a way to give him $50 million a year for four years, even though he doesn't plan to play with that four-year contract. And here he is back again. Then, all of a sudden, you know, a guy asks for his jersey and say, oh, I'm going to keep this one. So, you know, we're back here again, back in the speculation, because if it's one thing I do know about Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers loves Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers loves when we talk about Aaron Rodgers. So... That's similar to JT. JT loves JT. <laughs> not to this level, though. I can tell you, like, you must not know him on an everyday basis, like I did. You, you, you see what's going on, right? He's trying to start early because he knows he knows he knows as soon as get those jazz. We're feeling nah, it out. First a, round, first punch round. coming, bro. Watch, ready to throw. I will say this: if you had to ask me what direction I am currently at, no, 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 no. I'm gonna change the. I'm gonna change the question because I'm not gonna let you fence it. We we want we want we want we want you to go in. If you if I had to say, look, I'm sending you to Vegas right now. You're gonna bet six months salary. I know you. I know you just got a raise. I know you just got a raise. I know. I, I know you just got oh, a raise. No. A raise. I know, oh, when did I know you just got a promotion because he. When won, are we he going to Vegas? He assured me he got the promotion, so I could secure him covered all the show. When are we if going to Vegas? Six months of that brand new promotion to take it to Vegas. Is Aaron Rodgers coming back to Green Bay or not in 2023? Are you putting the money down or not? There are 53 million reasons that tell me he's coming back next season there because. No one is going to walk away from $53 million guaranteed. And let's say for argument's sake, he wants to play somewhere else in the Green Bay Packers trading. There are two problems with that trade. One, who is going to take on his contract? And second and most importantly, the Packers have never been a franchise that is going to pay somebody to play somewhere else. That's not the culture of the franchise. And I say that to say, even in moving on from Aaron Rodgers and the contract, the dead cap hit that the Packers are going to take is massive. So it is a situation he's either going to retire or he's going to play next season in Green Bay. And $53 million guaranteed, I do not know of the human being. Forget 
NFL player. I don't know the human being that walks away from $53 million guaranteed. He plays. All right, so Justin got him coming back down. You agreeing with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Justin just said it. It's the money. Actually, Justin, it can be 58.3 million reasons why he's coming back. 58.3. They His cap hits only a little over 31 million, but his cash value is going to be 58.3 million is what he's going to make. So he's coming back. Then the question is, well, what can the Packers do to not have him come back? Well, if you cut him, the dead cap is $99 million, So you can't cut him. Like, that's out of the question. So then you say, okay, can you trade him? All right, but who is going to want a, a quarterback who's on the downturn, turning 40, and giving up future picks? Like, no one's going to do that unless it's picks that are not valuable. But then if you look at the Packers situation, and JT and I always talk about this with fantasy trades, you have this great player, but you feel like you can never get a fair value in return, regardless of what the overhaul is. That's the same thing here. You can't just trade him for a third round pick. I'm sorry, it's Aaron Rodgers. Even if you don't think he's worth a third, you can't do that deal if you're the Packers. So you're going to ask for at least a first. Okay, you want to give us a third, but you got to give us a first. Who's going to do that? Nobody. No one's going to give a first-round pick for a 40-year-old guy, even if they thought they were only a quarterback away. So I just don't see how he moves if he comes and back. Remember and, this, he, Don, and he is going to come back for the for the money. The Packers got a first-round pick and another pick for Devontae Adams. So like, that is the market not set. even yeah. – That's not even the starting price for Aaron Rodgers. So like you said, like, he's he's – the money and the cap situation tells me he returns to Green Bay. Yep. Oh, it's easy. You guys already said it. If it ain't about the money, it don't matter. He's coming back. Too much money. He He's caused enough ruckus to where it would be – he would have so much ridicule if he walked away from this money. It's like you begged him for this bag and then you didn't even take it. Like how dare you ruin the Packers. He could never live that down. But speaking of living things down, in Green Bay, it's always two things. Favre versus Rodgers. Which legacy is better? With I'm everything really- we've discussed and what we've seen, Justin, you, you're the Green Bay guy. you got the helmet sitting next to you. Looking at their legacies, because they've, they've had enough playing time in their both of their careers. Whose legacy is better, Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers? It depends on how you view it. I don't want to sit on the fence here. I'm being honest, right? Oh, you're on killing the, us. You're three for three you're, sitting on you're the three fence. Three for three, man. Look, I, man, like, I, 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 need, I need this is this is like the last round of the dunk contest, <laughs> and you know D Wade's got a ten in his pocket for his boy. Give me, give me who is better, Favre or Rogers? I'll explain right. Statistically, at an individual career, obviously it's Rogers because, like, you know, the touchdown to interception ratio. Forget better than Favre is the best of all time. Like there has been one person or if there's a guy who has redefined protecting the football, it is Aaron Rodgers. And then you are seeing a generation of quarterbacks behind him that has led this era like Patrick Mahomes, et cetera, et cetera. But the guy who really started redefining, not even Tom Brady, it was really Aaron Rodgers in terms of high touchdown numbers, low interceptions. That's his guy. Four-time MVP, um, you know, all these all pros to go with it. If you're talking about individual success, I and mean, it's not like Brett Favre is some schmo, 
because he also had three MVPs and those were in a row. It's probably Aaron Rodgers. Um, team standpoint, they're kind of like even. Brett went to two Super Bowls, won one. Aaron went to one, but went to multiple NFC Championship games. I want to save five others, lost four of them, or something along those lanes. So it's when you look at it's who you ask. So if you ask today's kid and people are outside of Green Bay, it's going to be Aaron Rodgers because of that individual success, the four MVPs, and redefining quarterback play. If you ask an older person in Green Bay, then the answer is always going to be Favre. And there's a reason to that, not just because of who he is. Um, you have to understand, prior to Favre, there was a period, um, a lot of you would know, obviously, the Vince Lombardi era of the 50s and the 60s, when the Packers were winning. Well, Don knows. Uh, he, oh, he, oh, yeah. he went to some of those games. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me and, <laughs> yeah, me and Vince, we were close. We were yeah, close. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, he was cousin Vince at that time, so you used to call him, right? <laughs> there's a run, I think, He's won like 13 of 15 titles before there was uh, two of those were in the Super Bowl era and the Packers won the first two. So there was a run with Bart Starr, Vince Lombardi, you know, that those Packers, 50s, 60s were dominant. But what a lot of people don't talk about is after that era, the 70s and the 80s were as bad for any franchise. And I'm talking about the Detroit Lions. Like, like it was as putrid. And people weren't talking about ever coming to Green Bay. Like, if you're a free agent, or you're a guy that got traded to Green Bay, like you were looking at that at the end of your career. Like people refer to this as the Siberia of the NFL. And what you look at Favre, when Favre came with Ron Wolf and uh, Mike Holmgren and Reggie White and completely turned not just the culture of the Green Bay Packers around, but how people view the Green Bay Packers. Like that is something that people in my generation and older will never ever forget and never ever you know, sit down and let that pass. Like that will always be remembered as Favre will always be the guy who who changed the fortunes of the Green Bay Packers and made them into title town once again. Now people will say, well, Aaron Rodgers did almost the same thing and won a title. But the difference is that Aaron Rodgers flowed on from Brett Favre's success. He did not come and change a culture. He came and formed a culture. So, So again, that's why I'm saying I'm not hedging my bets. If you ask somebody within Wisconsin, Brett Favre's legacy is greater than Aaron Rodgers. So, Justin, I don't usually say this about too many guests, but I'm a little disappointed. Like, you <laughs> you totally sat on the fence there. You played both sides. Listen, this is an easy answer nowadays. This is an easy answer. And even well, as a no, guy outside no, of Green Bay. Don, I'll, I'll tell you why it's not an easy answer, because the end of Aaron Rodgers' legacy is basically the same as Brett Favre. And the funny but, thing is, Aaron Rodgers went on record and said, while Brett Favre was finishing, he will never do what Brett Favre did. So a lot of people who don't know, for the last three years of Brett Favre's career in Green Bay, he did basically the same thing. Like, well, I retire, well, I not. And then Aaron Rodgers comes and do, does the same thing. But for, forget, forget that part of it because they're equal there. But this is the difference. This is the difference. The better legacy is Aaron Rodgers. You got to look at number of Super Bowls. Each have one, right? You look at the stats, you can compare stats and everything. But I think this is the difference in terms of the legacy is that when you look at 40 years from now, because you're kind of sounding like the old guy in the room that, oh, the Green Bay fans that grew up watching Favre will never agree that Rodgers, but the young kids now will say Rodgers. That's the thing. 40, 50 years from now, when we look back at the quarterbacks, 
Aaron Rodgers is going to be mentioned before Brett Favre. And as the Packers, I think I'm a little disappointed because the one thing you left out in terms of the legacy that Aaron Rodgers has not done yet that Favre did, he went to play for the Minnesota Vikings. That's the end. You go to a divisional foot. You went to the Jets. You were garbage. You went to the Vikings, had one good year. The next year, you were garbage. You cost them a Super Bowl by throwing a bad interception against the Saints. And it was to the divisional foe. You never do that. That's where the legacy is tarnished. And then the last thing I will add, while Rodgers has had bad games, and ironically that both may have thrown an interception on their last pass as a Packer, but other than that, I always felt that with the game on the line, Brett Favre was going to do something wild to cost his team. While Aaron Rodgers the last couple of years hasn't been great, you never looked at him to say he's going to cost them the game by making a a behind-the-back pass or chucking it up 70 yards when there's four guys on Devontae Adams. That's the difference. Divisional foe and Favre make a mistake at the end, which we saw as a Minnesota Viking. All right. So, so you say that. Sorry, Jimmy, to brought it, but to answer that with the Minnesota situation, um, weird enough, people forgive and forget, and that's the situation here. Like people do not hold that Minnesota two years against Brett Favre. Like in the immediacy of when it happened, people were furious. But if you ask, still part ask, of the legacy. If you ask right now, right? And you go and you look through, like it is almost like those two years in Minnesota have never happened for any Green Bay Packer fan that loved Brett Favre. Man, tell it, tell it to that man's spleen because that Minnesota year did happen. Ask Bounty Gate. <laughs> well, well, since Justin not gonna answer the question because he really didn't, um, I'm gonna answer the question. It's easy. It's Brett Favre, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because of what you said, he took over a franchise that was putrid. It took them to prominence to where no matter who came after him, Green Bay is always thought of as at least they are a good franchise and they know what they're doing. Like Brett Favre set all of that. And if it wasn't for Brett Favre, there is no Aaron Rodgers because you forget for somebody who hates rookies and young guys that doesn't trust him, your ass sat on the bench a long time when you first came in the league. And guess what? The reason why you are so good is because you sat on the bench and got to watch a goat in Brett Favre. I don't care about him going to Minnesota. Like, that's an AFC North thing. Like, oh, it's division vote. You never do that. Like, doesn't matter. The man had to go get his bag. And I look at it this way. You're right. They both have one Super Bowl. But here's the main difference when I'm talking about legacies being better. The interception to touchdown ratio, I really don't give it that much. It's because Aaron Rodgers purposely plays that way. And sometimes it's to a detriment of Green Bay success. I'm not saying it's a negative for him, but... I'm not going to give him like a super superlative for that. Two things that comes down to for me, people in Green Bay like Brett Favre more than they like Aaron Rodgers. The players, the fans, everybody that was around the organization, you go ask. So if they're even in accomplishments, I'm going off of who likes who and who was who was actually a real teammate, Brett Favre. And here's the other thing you might not want to admit. When Brett Favre was the quarterback of Green Bay, Lambo was invincible. Aaron Rodgers. Oh, was turned. it when Michael Vick went in and whooped him? Oh, oh invinci- come on, come on. Okay, and you okay. Know, and, you, and you know how Lambo was. I'm glad Lodi. you brought up Michael Vick. You know why Lambo? You know how you could tell Lambo was invincible? How long had it been since a rookie had gone in and done that? And it was it was such a crazy story that Mike Vick 
went to Lambeau and won. JT, they had never lost a playoff game at home until Favre lost that game. I mean, you guys are talking about his legacy. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It is not. Let me finish. It is not. Let me finish. It's still, it's still. Leave room for me to talk this time after you go. Lambeau was considered invincible. I feel under Favre. Aaron Rodgers has turned it into a joke. It's so did Brett Favre. He lost two NFC title games to the Giants. Field advantage for anybody that comes in there, and it's not even just the NFC Championship game. It could be a wild card game. Anybody that comes into Lambeau, like can win now. And I feel like Aaron Rodgers has not done his best to protect that. So I'm sorry. And you ask any Green Bay fan, they're going to agree with me. It's Brett Favre. Are we looking at? Just the Packer legacy, or the Packer fans? Are we talking about his I'm legacy? Because when you talk everything. about, okay, so let's talk about everything. Farb underachieved. I we already did that, but more, clearly no, you because agree, you brought up other stuff, and you're not going to leave me time. Farb had way better teams. He had a better coach in Holmgren. He had a way better team. He had Reggie White. He had Hall of Famers on those teams. Aaron Rodgers did not have the talent that Brett Farb had. Here. And yo, yo, hold on, Justin, and the NFC back then in the late nineties. First of all, first of all, sir. First of all, sir. No more forty niners. No I'm more not, cowboys. I'm not, I'm not getting into it with you, old man. Adjust your glasses, because I'm sorry. You had they're, an NFL player adjusting. on this show tell you when Aaron Rodgers went to the Super Bowl, that was the most talented offense they had ever seen. They had the number five wide receiver could be a starter. So I don't want to hear about Favre had. So, so, so right, so that's what I'm saying. A pushback, right? Like both teams, both Super Bowl winning teams. But the defense wasn't as good well, as it was in the late not, '90s. They they led the true. league in turnovers that year, didn't they? Hold on, and they won a Super Bowl, but he didn't on, have that extra way Favre did. So I'm gonna like both teams are extremely talented. Like let's go about first the Favre the Favre team. Like you said, you had Reggie White. Like and and you have the guy that just got um inducted, Leroy Butler, right? Though like like on that entire defense, you had Hall of Fame talent. But then when you look at Rogers's Super Bowl team, right? Like JT just said, you understand that that game was actually Jordy Nelson's breakout game. He was the third wide receiver in the because death of track. Brett Favre or no, because no, of got, Aaron Rodgers. Hold on, and I'm gonna get no. Everyone it's keeps a Freudian freaking. slip, sir. And so right, so hey, like you guys Jordan, say his name so many times for no reason. Jordy Nelson was number three because you had still be ahead of him, Donald Draver and Greg Jennings, right? On top of They're that, good, not better than Freeman and, and Robert Brooks. Oh yeah, okay. no, no, yeah, they are because like Donald Draver has almost every single yeah, receiving record. Aaron Rodgers was throwing to him. I'm Brett Favre, but then when you look on the defensive side, I think everyone keeps forgetting there is a guy who is arguably the second or third best cornerback of all time that played with Aaron Rodgers called Charles Woodson. At the like, end of his I, career? No, no, no. Was no, defensive no, MVP no. candidate. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. He, he didn't have it, it as long on, because he didn't on, have him as long he, as Brett Favre he, had Reggie White and those guys. Hold on. Charles Woodson won defensive player of the year the season before they won the Super Bowl. Huh? Like, you're talking about an all-time great. You've heard Aaron Rodgers said the best player he's ever played with. I remember you played one guy on that team. And then you're talking about BJ Raji and also um, right alongside your Clay talking Math. about Clay, Clay Matthews, AJ Hawk. Again, they were again they were good, not Hall of Fame besides Clay Woodson. When you got Leroy Butler, Reggie White, Seth Joyner. I mean, this is ridiculous. We're having this argument. Charles done. Woodson is an all-time great cornerback. But how long like, was talking... he in Green Bay? That's my point. Brett Favre had this long. Eight, nine years. 
He played eight nine years in Green Bay, like, like the end of his what? career. Hey, look, no, man, no, no. I, he look, played. Man, I know, he I know you look like Matt LaFleur today, but but you but you yeah, but you act like you act like a coach of the guy. Look, it's Brett Favre. That's it. That's no, it's it. not. It's Brett all right. We're gonna we're gonna move on because you guys <laughs> yeah. are wrong. Maybe you'll get this question <laughs> right. All right. Obviously, this weekend is is possibly the biggest weekend in terms of multitude of games. Super Wild Card weekend. So we got six games between Saturday and Monday night. So. Justin, first, let's start with what you would say is the biggest AFC storyline. In terms of storyline, it has to be whether Lamar Jackson is going to return against the Bengals. And now we're finding out that he's still not practicing. So his return is very, very doubtful, if at all probable. So I would have said that that was the biggest storyline. Um, in terms of game, no, because if Lamar Jackson does not play, let's all be honest. The, the, the Baltimore Ravens do not stand a chance. So we could forget about that because the Cincinnati Bengals are built to win a Super Bowl. Whether they do or not, that's another question. And they might not then, even have Tyler Huntley either. Then that, you don't have, So you don't have a chance. Um, then it has to be the LA Chargers, unfortunately, against Jacksonville Jaguars. Like We're talking about a coach who probably should have been on the firing lane in Brandon Staley, making his head coaching playoff debut with also Justin Herbert, also his first playoff game against Doug Peterson, a Super Bowl winning coach, and taking Trevor Lawrence to a spot that we all know Urban Meyer should never have even been thought of. I don't know how Urban Meyer got in here, but that's another story for another day. Like It has to be this 4-5 matchup. And the reason being, we are not going to give Miami a chance against Buffalo. Are we sure as hell in giving anyone a chance? What's the other AFC matchup? Right, and we're not giving Baltimore any chance without Lamar Jackson against Cincinnati. So it has to be this 4-5 matchup, unfortunately, without Tua or without Lamar Jackson to make those other two games even viable. I'm going to go with the same game, but it's, there's only one storyline in the AFC that matters. It's Justin Herbert. Like, everybody is crowning him as the next GOAT. Like, he's already a superstar. Like, he's so much better than Tua and all these other guys. Bro, you got to win a playoff game. This team already beat you by four touchdowns at home earlier this year. You got to go on the road and show me you're great and win a playoff game. That's the only thing that matters in the AFC this weekend is Justin Herbert. If he comes out there and performs poorly, we're going to have a different conversation. Hey, Justin, can you just feel the hate from JT? Like, there's certain guys that are just trigger words, right? Like Aaron Rodgers, Dave Gettleman. Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, Steve Kerr, and now Justin <laughs> Herbert. Like, you say those names, pops off. Just pops off. Be careful. Listen, it's easy. I threw you guys a softball and you all swung and missed. It's Buffalo starting their run to the Super Bowl, winning for DeMar Hamlin. I mean, what a story. They're going to put it all together now because of him. He's their driving force. That's the only store in the AFC. It really is. So, I mean, they're playing Miami without Tua. So, I mean, I don't even know if it's much. Fun. Even more pressure. And and they're going to knock it out of the ballpark. I mean, they're going to blow them out. JT can finally win, wear all his gear because he got guilted into it because I always rip on him. He doesn't support his team. I guarantee you when they lose by 35, he's going to text me, well, we weren't expected to win anyway. So, the storyline is the Bills and DeMar Hamlin. That's the storyline throughout the whole playoffs. So, Justin, what about in the NFC? What's the one storyline? It ain't the Packers. 
Wow. That's a low blow. Look, Justin, it, see? Even no, I no, didn't go no, there. No, I might no, give I'm, jazz. I'm, I'm saying it because I'm not, true, no, but, but. but I'm also saying it because I want to wake him up. I want to see him get nasty. It's not the <laughs> Packers. So what you going to do about it? Who's the biggest NFC storyline? Tell it's me something. Four, it's a 4 5 matchup, obviously. Like, we're going to see. Like This is going to be like, forget me sitting on the fence. So this is Tom Brady's last game in a Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniform. Simply because as great as Tampa Bay, or sorry, as great as Tom has been throughout his entire career, the rest of the Buccaneers are not. And you're going to see what metal Dallas really has because, like, there is absolutely no reason Dallas should lose this game because when you take Tom Brady out of it, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers cannot run block. They cannot pass block. Their receivers cannot get any separation. They cannot stop the run anymore for whatever reason up front they're not good. And their secondary has always been the weak part of that entire unit. There is nothing statistically or logistically that tells me the Tampa Bay Buccaneers should win this game. But we're all going to have our eyes glued because Tom has never lost to the Cowboys. This is probably his last game in a Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniform. And we want to know how good is Mike McCarthy. Will Mike McCarthy choke away another game on the road? Well, we know the answer. We know he ain't that good. So I don't know what you're waiting for. Um I feel like that's the easy answer, and I, and I said it on your show. This is the game I'm most interested in watching just for the Dak versus Tom Brady dynamic. I'm actually going to take a, a detour. Most interesting storyline in the NFC to me is Brock Purdy playing his first playoff game against a divisional opponent with a coach that has Super Bowl experience. I want to see this because Brock Purdy has been floating on cloud nine, and I feel like I don't even watch his game because I just look at the stats and they're like, everybody's like, oh, yeah, Brock, Brock Purdy's played good. Everything's perfect. Playoff time, man. It's different. I want to see how he responds, especially with the coach that's known for choking in the playoffs in Shanahan. I It will be a disaster if Seattle pulls this upset and that Brock Purdy hype train will be derailed really quick. So I think that game and how Purdy performs is the top storyline to me. Justin, I mean, it, most interesting games, Cowboys, Buccaneers, a lot of storylines there. JT, that's a that's a pretty good one, but you're forgetting how good the 49ers team is in general, and they're at home, which helps. If it was in Seattle, it'd be a little bit more of a storyline, uh, a rookie going in there. But I think it's kind of the two teams that just fly under the radar here in the NFC, and one of my favorite teams, I don't know how they've become one of my favorite teams, but Minnesota Vikings hosting the Giants. I think... Everyone is knocking the Vikings. They got no run defense, can't play defense. Playoffs are going to expose them. Well, they got Saquon coming into town, and he did it earlier. And I think this is where Minnesota has a chance to redeem themselves. And this is really what the game is going to come down to. If Saquon can run wild, Minnesota's in trouble. If they shut Saquon down, the Giants have no chance of winning. And I think this can be a statement game for the Minnesota defense. They're a lot of fun to watch on offense. And I think this is that statement game that, hey, we're not just a sieve on defense. Like, we can stop some people. Oh, look no. at you using these big SET thesaurus words like sieve. You can is tell it, he got a law is, degree. Is it? Let's, let's switch gears to something that wasn't that fun to watch. National championship so Georgia put the beat down on TCU Monday, uh, 65 to 7. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I think we should just end it right there. But unfortunately, we got to talk <laughs> about this shit. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of things flying around out there. Was this honestly the worst 
matchup in college football history, in title history. Justin. For the 30-odd years I've been watching it, most definitely. I have never seen it beat known like this. Like, college football fans, I really feel for them. They're the biggest loser of the entire weekend. And that entire weekend, including my Green Bay Packers losing at home to the Detroit um, Lions. Anybody who was in that stadium should have been refunded, like, at halftime. Like, you should have been – whatever money you paid should have been Venmoed directly back to your account. No one should have been forced to sit and watch that game. No one should have been forced to walk, turn on ABC and ESPN and have to sit through that game. It is easily the most lopsided game in college football playoff. Forget title game playoffs I've ever seen. And I did not expect that. Hey, JT, I smell a class action lawsuit there that Justin got coming on where they should be refunded all their money. Hmm. Um, I'd have to say matchup wise, all right, it's actually not because TCU earned their spot. The, oh, no, no. The oh, score sorry, of the game. Back. I did not say that TCU did not deserve to be there. I I'm know. saying the what? game itself was bad. Well, I've got I've got a game that not only the game was worse, but the matchup was just as bad because it wasn't earned. So I go back. I don't know if JT will agree. I go back to 2000. Oklahoma FSU. The score, Justin, 13 to 2. FSU, who's your team, didn't get points until the fourth quarter when they got a safety. They had nothing. Chris Winky Heisman, nothing. Even Bobby Bowden said after that game, he said it himself, that it should have been the Miami Hurricanes in that game and not his Florida State team. 13 to 2. Boring. At least this one, we get to see Georgia, one of the most dominant teams ever, run around on the field. Duggan, a, a runner up in the Heisman, like trying to carry his team. And again, they earn the spot. So when we talk about matchup, it's the 2000 Florida State Seminole should have never have been in that title game. And on top of that, it was a snoozer, 13 to 2. At least this, if you like offense, heck, here's a lot of touchdowns for you. I smell some bias behind that. No, not at all. No. <laughs> I want I want to agree with you so bad because I remember that game. It was horrible. Just I remember agree. You know, I had, come on, Miami on FSU. Let's go, Jason. I was like, turn this shit off. <laughs> and obviously, you know, we can say about the Nebraska Miami game, like that that was bad. And they shouldn't have been there either. But I, I gotta agree with Justin. It's the worst one. It was we basically just watched the Georgia Bulldogs Pro Day. It was that bad because TCU yeah. didn't do nothing. And two reasons you can tell this is the worst national championship title game ever. One, it was the lowest viewed championship game in the college football playoff BCS era. And two, before the game was announced, average ticket prices were at one price. Once it was announced it was playing, they went down by an average of seven to eight hundred dollars. And it did not disappoint as to why that happened. It was the worst. TCU, I don't but even know how they scored this, that but, touchdown. It was horrible. This is the worst national championship game ever. Georgia should have just called it off at halftime. You know what this reminded me of? It reminded me of the first half of the lights when Dallas Carter came out there and beat the shit out of Permian. Like, they look like first half Permian Panthers. Like, they just couldn't do nothing. Like, me, I imagine on the sideline when Sonny Dykes was asking his players, you know, what's it like out there? He's like, hey, man, coach, they holding. They nasty. <laughs> They fast. They fast. He's like, yeah, yeah, you already said that. Like, I imagine that's exactly how it went. And I'm going to post this. 
I should have known this was going to be an ass whooping. Have you heard the pregame speech that Kirby Smart gave to these guys? Like, yep. that made me want to get up and, like, I forgot I ain't got no knees. Like, that made <laughs> me want to get up and go out there and hit somebody. Like, it was over before it started. And it's the end of discussion. Don, I don't but, even care what you got to no, say about but it. But hold on. Gonna, hold on. He's going to try to give us some old stats, no, and I don't no, care. No, 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 no. I got, I got two questions, though. In terms of the ticket price, though, and the ratings, is that simply because TCU's not a blue blood? Like, what if – I mean, they obviously have a really good team. They have the runner-up in high school. Like, you could have brought the 0-1 Canes team with different names, and it's still TCU. Like, they don't have that cachet. And then, two – like, is this any worse of a before going into the game? Is it any worse of a matchup than the 04 USC Oklahoma? Because at halftime, USC was up in that game 38 to 10, which is very similar to 38 to 7. The final was 55 19. At one point, it was 55 to 10 in that I game. I get it. I get it, man. Like, it's just, it's just the bad. difference it's just is different. Oklahoma's a blue blood. Like, here's this, so here's, admit here's, here's, that. Admit that. Before, before I move on admit to the second that. part of this question, and then you can move on. This admit like, it, and you can this move on. like an EA Sports NCAA score. Like, you know, when I, when I used to play the video game, and you like come in and like, how you beating them so bad? This is exactly what it looked like. But, second part of this is they're going to expand the playoffs. So, we just got to, did we just get a preview? of what life is going to be like with more TCU team type teams in there. But Justin, serious question. Does the playoff committee regret putting two big 10 schools in over Alabama? Because the word that everyone's saying now is see, this is what happens when you don't put Bama in bad things happen. Should they have gone the Bama route and just put them in over the two big 10 schools? They may regret it, but they had no choice. Like when you look at the resumes going in, like, Let's start with Ohio State. Ohio State just had the one loss to Michigan, an unbeaten Michigan. And, you know, it's a rivalry game. And beyond that, like, as much as it's seen the blow, I watched the game. And a lot of people forget Ohio State went up early. And it was actually a one-score game early in that fourth quarter until it just got away from them. So to see that Ohio State did not deserve to be there, that's, like, that's crap. And then... Obviously, Michigan is unbeaten, wins Big Ten national, um, sorry, championship game. Like, you can't, like, going into the playoffs, it is easy to say without a shadow of a doubt that Michigan was the second best team in the country. So they had to be there. So you have those two Big Ten schools had to be there. And then so to then not Alabama, let's look at what Alabama did during the season. Like, at the time, the loss to Tennessee didn't look that bad because Tennessee was like looking like the best team in the country at that time. I think they were 6-0. and oh. But then Tennessee goes on and loses some terrible games after that. And then Alabama goes on to lose to LSU. Almost got beaten by Mississippi. Barely got past Texas. When you look at what Alabama did in terms of resume, sure, you want to say, well, this is Alabama. We got to put them in the playoffs. But no, you had two losses as opposed to just a one loss um, from Ohio State. And on top of that, some of your wins that you barely got past Texas, you barely got past Mississippi. And then later in the season, those two teams were exposed as bad teams. Like there was no justification and also losing to LSU. There's no justification to put Alabama in over any of the two Big Ten schools or TCU. No, they they shouldn't regret it. I mean, Bama didn't earn it this year. The two losses, that that's enough said. Ohio State still plays in the Big Ten. And this is why they shouldn't regret it. The semifinals, guys, 
were unbelievable. The two best pair of semifinals ever in the college football playoff run. So right there shows you that they made the right decision. Those four teams, at least in the semifinals, were evenly uh, paired. If they want to do anything that they may regret, maybe the seeding. Maybe they could have said, you know what, Michigan, sorry. You've got to beat Ohio State again. TCU go to four. So that way they were guaranteed Georgia against Michigan or Georgia against Ohio State. Maybe they could have regretted that. But in terms of not putting Bama in, then Ohio State kind of is like, hey, we only have one loss. Bama's not a conference champ. They didn't get to their conference title game, but they got two losses. So, no, I don't think they should regret uh, the whole two Big Ten schools in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree, because this ain't the SEC Invitational. It's the college football playoffs. And I'm sorry to all the Bama people and the Bama players that are on social media like, you should have put us in. You ass would have got rolled, too. Like, Georgia, <laughs> I said before the playoffs, I was like, they shouldn't even play it because Georgia's going to win by 50 no matter what. Like, it's in the discussion, Bama, shut up. Like, y'all didn't play well. You shouldn't have got in. And the, the four best teams got in, and they did the right thing. All right, so let's go back to the NFL. And this is kind of an interesting question. Good job, JT. It's one of your questions. So Black Monday in the NFL saw a couple of coaches fired, joining a list of other coaches who were already fired from during the season. So, Justin, this is the way it'll work. We'll give you a team, all right, and then you let us know who you think they should hire as their head coach. And then the other thing is, give us one move they absolutely need to make to be better in 2023. Did I did I explain that okay, JT? You were so worried during pre-production. Look, I was only worried because you texted me. It was like it's like re remedial uh, instructions, but you wow. did well. Wow, wow! See what I got to deal with, Justin. Wow, remedial instructions. The, dis the disrespect. It. So, Justin, first team up. The Houston Texans. Woo! Dug themselves in a terrible hole that they should not be in. <laughs> oh. So first, you have to get some sort of respectability. And the only way you do that is by hiring the one candidate that every single team wants, and that's Sean Payton. The problem is that they're not going to get him. But you should want to hire Sean Payton. And after you hire Sean Payton, you're going to have to do everything in your power to stop other teams from jumping ahead of you to get Bryce Young. And you're going to have to, unfortunately, you should not be in the position to have to trade up to get that number one overall pick because you just simply did not have to win the last game of the season. But shout out to Lovey Smith for being that true Chicago Bears legend. One last thing for Chicago. Lovey, good job. True professional. <laughs> yeah, look, if Lovey Smith taught you anything, treat your employees well. You never know what's going to happen. That's right. And as I, I think Lovey Smith just gave the middle finger to Houston. But you're going to have to start by trying to get Sean Payton in the middle or in the building. And then you have to stop everyone else from moving ahead of you to get Bryce Young because that's the only way that you start to rebuild this. Get the best offensive mind out there and get the best quarterback in this draft. And unfortunately, you are going to have to give up a hell of a lot when you didn't need to but. Yeah, draft Brace Young. Find a way to draft Brace Young and get Sean Payton in the building. All right, JT, well, you next. Yeah, I mean, I like the Sean Payton answer, but the, the Houston Texans got too many people to answer to in that organization. He ain't 
too much shutting up in that job. He ain't going to take it. I actually think they should go get Eric Bieniemy. Like, this is the type of opportunity to show if he can coach or not. And then if it doesn't work out, people can just be done with it. Like, you're gonna get the you're gonna get a top pick in a good quarterback draft. It might not be Bryce Young. If not, you can get CJ Stroud. There's quarterbacks that people believe are franchise quarterbacks in this draft. So give him the opportunity to come in, pick one of those guys and coach him because I love this situation in Houston because it's the end of a rebuild. They have the draft capital, they're in a position to get the quarterback. But here's the thing: the enemy is quietly the most attractive he's been at any point in his career. He's coaching Patrick Mahomes to an MVP season with no weapons, just old-ass Kelsey out there. So this is impressive what he's doing. And the one thing they should do is very simple. Don't hire Josh McCown. If Jeff Jeff Saturday has taught us anything, <laughs> is that couch coaching do not work. This will be a disaster if you hire McCown. Don't do it. Well, I, I've told JT this before. The theme this offseason for me for head coaching hires is D'Amico Ryan. So every team I'm going to name, Justin, the first candidate should be D'Amico Ryan's. All right. I understand not all of them can hire him because there's only one D'Amico Ryan. Bro, if you could make that rule, they would because we've been you you would. They we've been talking about D'Amico for, for like a month now. So <laughs> so I know D'Amico is gonna be the answer. So this should be a quick ass segment. So, so what should they do? But but I would say for Houston, because I got to fit D'Amico into one of these spots, and it's not Houston. So for Houston, it should be the Philly OC, uh, Shane Steichen, and they should draft C.J. Stroud and allow him, meaning the head coach, to develop C.J. Stroud the way he did Jalen Hurts. was beautiful this year. was beautiful last year. So I think that that kind of mirrors what Philly did to what they can do in Houston – don't move up. If someone wants to take Bryce Young, let them take Bryce Young. Let CJ fall to you. You take CJ. You bring in that offensive guy from Philly. You've got the show. So I think that's what they should do. And their move is obviously drafting CJ Stroud. Don't reach. Go CJ Stroud. Here's my one pushback on that, right? And I like where you've gone. The issue with this, right? History has told me that in all of these draft classes, only one of these quarterbacks is really going to be good. We were fooled. Maybe into two at most. Maybe two at most. Two at the very most. We were fooled into thinking that Trevor Lawrence draft, that all five of those quarterbacks were going to be good. And we found out only one is really great. The I feel if you miss out on Bryce Young and you get caught in thinking that CJ Stroke could be almost as good, that you're going to miss out. And I would not risk taking C.J. Stroud if I have a chance at Bryce Young. But if I know, if I, in my recruiting, and I know that Bryce Young is going to be good, then I'm going to do everything to get it. See, I'm not sold on Bryce Young. That's why I would say C.J. Stroud. Fair enough. So next team, Justin, the Arizona Cardinals. I'm going to shock you here. So here's where my guy, or your guy, sorry, D'Amico Ryan's fits in. Like, you've gotten rid of um, Cliff Kingsbury, as we all know, who should never have gotten a job in the first place. So the first thing, sorry, even before you get D'Amico Ryan's in the building, the very first thing is you do, guys, is that you go and get Ozzy Newsom out of retirement. And you say, come and be my general manager. Steve Kime is now gone. I need a complete organizational rebuild. You know how to build organizations better than anyone who's ever done it. I'm bringing you, you don't have to be the everyday general manager, but you need to be in the background, whispering in everyone's ears. So I need you to come. You get D'Amico Reigns. And then 
here's the real kicker now, guys. Listen for this one. You get rid of the child out of the building. You kick the child out of the building. You trade Kyler Murray and end the madness. Get rid of Kyler Murray and start afresh. This is not going to work. The kid cannot even stay on the field. He has a massive contract. He does not show you the aptitude. He does not show you the maturity to be the franchise quarterback that you need in this rebuild. He is not the face of anyone's franchise because he's a child, a literal child. You get the child out the building, you bring Ozzie Newsom, you get D'Amico Reigns, and you start over. Whether it's a quarterback in this draft or you target the quarterback in the next, um, the kid from USC, you do that, but you have to move on from Kayla Murray. JT? Hmm. It's very I, interesting. JT's not going to like what you just said about Kyler, but go ahead, JT. I'm ready. I got my popcorn. This is very interesting to me. To be honest with you, out of all the places, this is the one that makes the most sense to me for Sean Payton. And the factors to me are low-key attractive. No head coach, no GM, even though he's kind of still in the building in some capacity, but he's not the general manager. And... You already have a quarterback that's extended, but he's hurt, which means he's always going to be if he when he's going to start. He could come here and literally bring Brady on a one-year deal, and this could be this could work. Like this is the one franchise that I think could give Sean Payton what he wants, which is total control. Like I can see him saying, "Look, no GM, no head coach. Let me get that full control role and let me do what I want." And then I'll make a decision on Kyler Murray once I come in and evaluate him. I think this is low-key attractive for him. And the one thing I think they should do to get better is they got to invest on both the offensive and defensive line. Get more pass rushers and get more edge blockers, and I think they'll be all right. Ozzie Newsome. So I think the move is maybe out of left field a little bit. I think it's Jim Harbaugh. He knows the NFC West. He's going to bring a sort of physicality and toughness that they need. And this is the first move I would do if I was him. I'd call who's the OC JT in Baltimore? Greg Roman, his old buddy. I'd call Greg Roman and say, listen, Baltimore screwed up everything with the Lamar contract. You don't know who you're going to have at quarterback in a year or two. Come on over. I'll make you a high paid offensive coordinator. Let's run this back like we did in San Francisco. And oh, I've got a quarterback for you that we can do it with. Tyler Murray, I know he's coming off an injury, but we've got our guy already. I'll take care of everything else. You come in, do what you do, the way you did with Colin Kaepernick, how you did it great with Lamar. We'll do it again. NFC West, Rams stink. Seahawks don't have a future quarterback. Geno Smith is great this year, but let's face it, he's not the guy in six, seven years. And the move I would make, the move I would make is, I, I like what you said, JT. I think if they can draft the edge rusher, Will Anderson, at the number three spot, be great. But they got to trade DeAndre Hopkins somehow. I think he's going to count toward the cap or they got to pay him. Yeah, they're like, they're, they're saying they're, they're going to trade him. Yeah, $31 million or something. They got to pay him if they keep him. Like, they got to move on from him. I know he's, he's a great receiver. He's had a great career. But they have young guys that I think they can build around with the receiving crew. They don't need him. They got, they got to move from that contract. Uh, Y'all keep avoiding the obvious in the building, which is the child. You cannot win with Kyler Murray. He's often injured. And he Greg Roman, Jim Harbaugh can do it. He is not Look, look man, look, I, I, I ain't getting to it with you. I ain't getting to you with you about Kyler Murray, man. Y'all acting like Chris Kingsbury wasn't out there calling shit. Gentlemen, there is a reason. 
there is a reason the Arizona Cardinals try to protect themselves by putting that clause in the contract. They Yo. know who they're dealing with. Yo, funny funniest moment of this whole show. This man has been fencing the whole time. The one time he <laughs> wants to come down off the fence is to bully a child. Next. <laughs> All right. Denver Broncos. This is where reality sets in. And this is when you have to bring Sean Payton in. And the reason you have to bring Sean Payton is you can't move on from Russell Wilson. That contract and the years on the contract, he's not going anywhere. And if you bring anyone, it has to be somebody to resurrect and make Russell Wilson a starting quarterback again. And the reason you do this is because now you're hearing Russ trying to lean towards his old buddy Dan Quinn and another defensive coordinator. And the reason Russ is doing that because Russ wants full control on the offensive side to do as he pleases. We've seen what happens when Russ does as he pleases. You can't let Russ cook. You need somebody who knows what the hell they're doing. Denver has a ton of money to spend. It has to be Sean Payton. You bring him in because you cannot hope to contend in a division that has Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes with a quarterback that looked like this last season. It has to be Sean Payton and no one else because I don't know what other offensive mind out there that A, Russ is going to respect, and B, has the ability to make Russ serviceable again. And it ends there. Just bring Sean Payton. Sean Payton is probably going to drag Vic Fangio with him. I don't know how Vic Fangio is going to feel returning to Denver, but you have, like, this defense is already elite. Vic Fangio has coached this defense already. Get Sean Payton back in the building or in the building. JT, I can't see Sean Payton turn. taking this job because there ain't no draft picks. And you know he ain't going to have total control because John Elway is still in the building. Um, Low-key, I I think the Broncos had the right idea last year. They just picked the wrong guy and bit on the wrong set of circumstances. I think they should go back to the OC well. And I think you're going to go get your guy Shane Steichen, the OC from the Eagles. Like He made Jalen Hurts an MVP candidate. We all know that. But you forget, he was also the OC during Justin Herbert's rookie year when he was so great and he was Jesus Christ reincarnate. So at least I the know. Hate, the, see, Justin, the hate of Justin the dude, Herbert. The dude has been around good things that happened, whether he was calling the plays or it was Sean McVay's hair drill, whatever it was, at least he's got it on his resume. But Loki, I think they should do this okay. move because the defense is already in place. They don't have any draft picks and the quarterback's already under contract and they already have the weapons under some sort of contract for his first year. Like, Russ is the best QB on a team that has a vacancy. So if I'm an OC that's looking for a head coaching job, I want to go there. Say what you want. I think he is. And what I think they should do is very simple. This is the most fixable situation if you have a coach that knows what he's doing. Just go get offensive linemen that can actually play. Day one free agency opens. If Mike McGlinchey or Orlando Brown Jr. are available, I'm going to sign them to whatever I can. So, because so I, hold on. I already got the weapons in the house. I just got a block for this move. So hold on. The offensive lane was a problem if, for Russ in Seattle. And then again, again, it's the problem for Russ in Denver. Um, Geno Smith had offensive lane issues in Seattle this season. Hey, look, man. I've said this before. Everybody just always says Seattle's offensive line was bad. They were poor at pass blocking, not run blocking, and they might have gotten better this year. I don't think Russ is as bad as he showed this year. One, I think Hackett is trash. And I think if you can get a guy like Steichen in that I think know, will know how to tailor it to Russ rather than trying to get him to play like Aaron Rodgers, I think that's going to be a big, big improvement. 
get some blocking for him, it's going to be not in day because that defense is legit. I agree. So, JT, I think this is the good spot for our other guy, Eric Bieniemy. At AFC West, he's going to not – he's not going to be scared – you, you, you never go to the divisional foe. Your, your <laughs> legacy is tarnished forever. You, you never go to the divisional foe. Anyway, I, I, anyway so Eric Bieniemy, he's not going to be scared of Kansas City. He He's not. And I think you need to have that offensive coordinator for Russ. Listen, you put all that money and draft capital into Russ, you got to bring in an offensive guy. There's no doubt. But I think this is the move that he's got to make, meaning Bieniemy or whoever's calling going to call the shots. Forget the player stuff. You can, you can figure out offensive line. Hopefully you can work through that. You've got to bring in you, – you, you might have to pay them a lot to take them away from the Dolphins, but you got to bring in Daryl Bevel as the quarterback coach for Russ Wilson. Russell Wilson, reuniting them. He was the guy in Seattle with Russ. Bring him back. That's the move Denver needs to make after they hire Eric Bieniemy because if they don't, Eventually, Bienemy may become the coach of Kansas City, and they still got to deal with Mahomes and Bienemy. So, go after him, Justin. Next up, Indianapolis Colts. Be careful. This is a very, very important answer. This might determine whether you ever come back on the show or not. So yeah, be careful. Be careful. You say. Talk. Y'all mentioned this name before, and I don't know how y'all didn't pair this name with this team. Like it's his old team. You bring Jim Harbaugh back to where he started. And the reason why is that this team is built in his image. Like, this is a run-first offense that plays defense or at least has an elite-level type of players on that defense. And that screams Jim Harbaugh. He knows Jim Irsay extremely well. Like, that's what Jim Irsay does. Like, hire friends, right? So you bring Jim Harbaugh, you have that run-first offense, and you draft one of these quarterbacks not named Bryce Young. Like, you have C.J. Strode or you in this supposedly deep quarterback class, you get a quarterback that is going to prosper under Jim Harbaugh's run-heavy system and only have to pass out of play action. He's perfect fit, like a Colts legend. This is who you bring home. Terrible idea, but I get the sentiment behind it. Um, see, this is the problem with the Colts. They need to get out of this old-school type of way of doing things. Like, stop bringing in these old dudes. The guy I think they should bring in is, I'm surprised he hasn't even been hired yet. Like, what? It, like, who is watching coaching candidates in the league? Like, behind the enemy, he might be the second most disrespected guy that has not gotten a job. It's easy. It's Kellen Moore. Go get him. Like, look at the last four years he's been an OC. Twice they've led the league in yards gain. And this year... They've averaged 28 points a game with a trash-ass Dak throwing the most interceptions in the league and Cooper Rush starting five games. Like, that is impressive what he has done. And here's why I think the Colts should bring him in. He fits two things that I think matter to them. One, I think they need to step into the new age of offense. But I think the Colts by nature, which is why you said the Hall Bar thing is, they're by nature like a balanced team. They want to run and things like that. I think Kellen Moore has shown in, in Dallas that he can do both. Like, they can run the ball when they need to, and they can air it out when they get into a shootout. So I definitely think Kellen Moore is the guy they should be going after, and I don't even think they got to fight anybody for it, surprisingly. And the thing that I think the Colts need to do to get better for next year is, I've always said this, they're not a quarterback away, they're a roster away. They just need to draft as many guys that can come in and be productive starters as possible. Draft well, get guys in there, get depth. 
get good guys in free agency that can play because you see once they have one or two injuries, like they go downhill. Just work on improving your overall depth and evaluating talent better, and I think they'll be all right. All right, so this is where my guy – D'Amico Ryan's finally lands. I know you guys are talking offense, but listen. I thought you already this, put him in Arizona. I put him every – no, I put Jim Harbaugh there. So, this is – listen, this team is built for defense. So, bring in the guy that's the, the, the top defensive guy, top defensive coordinator. You bring him in. Defense is there. Fresh start on offense, right? He gets the hand – you know, kind of handpick his coordinator – According to JT, the weakest division in the league. So this sets up great for D'Amico Ryans. And then he's got that running game. He's going to use, you know, the Kyle Shanahan method. Great defense. We're going to be able to run the ball. So they got Jonathan Taylor. And this is the move they need to make. If they want to set up D'Amico Ryans to be successful, then this is the move they've got to make. They've got to trade up to the number one. They currently sit at number four. They don't need to give up a lot to move up to number one because I think what the Bears are going to want may be too much for other teams. So Indianapolis can take that jump, get the number one overall pick, and then go quarterback. Perfect. And JT, I know we disagree with this so wait, team. If we're going but, quarterback at number one for Indianapolis, don't you get the guy who has a history of developing quarterbacks and my guy, John, um, Jim Harbaugh? That, I, I would not disagree. I'm not going to disagree with you. But when I look at the two candidates, I just like D'Amico Ryan's better because I think long term he'll be there. Like, I would have never thought Jim Harbaugh would even consider leaving Michigan. But now he is like that concerns me. Like he, he's going to keep jumping around. That concerns me where I think in the NFL, if you're a good NFL coach, very rare unless teams are willing to give up multiple draft picks do coaches leave when they've had success. It's just a matter of fact. Look at Sean Payton, how long he was there. Mike Tomlin, how long he's there. Like, guys don't leave the NFL when they're successful. Like, so, and, they, and NFL teams don't don't poach other teams the way they do in college, right? USC grabbing Lincoln Riley. Like, that doesn't happen in the NFL unless you give up compensation. So, with that quarterback, he can bring in that OC. Hey, OC, you've got a brand new quarterback, Jonathan Taylor. You take care of that side. I've got my side. Let's roll. And JT, you might be right. They may need a lot more roster help than I thought, but I still believe if you want to win in this league, you got to have that franchise quarterback. They had it with Peyton Manning. They had it with Luck. Look what has happened since. They got to get that quarterback. Trade up. I agree with you, and but this is where he pushed back. No, it's not a Jim Harbaugh's jump in a row. I think we forget the reason he left San Francisco is that he was pushed out by Trey Baldy. But what what is making him leave Michigan? That's because his dream he, job. That's way because, more because, dream because job he knows those Ohio State victories got uh-huh. an expiration date. Uh huh. No, uh-huh. Because, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Oh no, 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 gentlemen. You know, because there are rumors of sanctions coming uh, Michigan's way, which are going to hurt him in terms of being able to recruit. Even That's more reason not to leave him. Oh, That's I definitely don't want him with Jim Irsay. Then they're going to have sanctions <laughs> together. <laughs> Who's the All next right. team? Last team, Carolina Panthers. Justin? This is where I keep hearing all through our own Eric Bieniemy. And the re- like, let's be honest, Eric Bieniemy is never going to get a shot at a franchise that considers itself, for lack of a better term, an NFL blue bud uh, team like Denver. They're never going to give Eric Bieniemy a shot. 
And if Eric Bieniemy is going to get a shot at a head coaching job, the only realistic one is this one. Like Carolina is desperate. And that I think is where Eric Bieniemy comes in. This team needs a shot in the arm in terms of offense. And who better than the guy who has overseen the best offense in the last five, six years? It's going to be Eric, or it should be Eric Bieniemy. And again, forget what you did in this draft. There are three top tier quarterbacks according to the draft experts in this draft, you've got to move up and get one of them. You have to get, at least get one of them and give them to Eric Bieniemy. Tell Eric Bieniemy whatever you and um, your head coach was able to do with Patrick Mahomes, please try and do it with whatever you draft, whether it's CJ Stroud, whether it's Bryce Young. And you get Eric Bieniemy in the building because your issues are not on defense and you can run the football. We've seen that. They need good quarterback play. Sam Darnold's not the answer. Like PJ Walker, obviously not. Draft the quarterback and hand him over to Eric Bieniemy. Man, this is this is the easiest answer out of all of them. This is where this is where they should go get Jim Harbaugh because I'm telling you right now, you heard it here first. Panthers are low key the ne- the Jags of next year. Watch, I'm calling it right now. Cut that talented out. roster. Cut that. Oh, cut it out. Talented roster, all time previous bad coaching. And young stars that are locked up on both sides of the ball. They are a quarterback away from winning this division. They almost did it without one. Now, here's what I think they should do. Don't draft a quarterback. Just go get Derek Carr. Go get Derek Carr. He could win this division. And then you draft a game changer that's the best available at number eight. This is the easiest fix out of all these teams. And if I'm them, I'm going for stability is, in Jim Harbaugh. And if I'm Jim Harbaugh and I'm leaving Michigan, I'm going straight for the Panthers because they've already got talent and they're in a bad division. It's about to lose Tom Brady. Sign me up. That is a short-term fix, J.D., because then when you get Derek Carr and he gives you two years of good football, then what? The, hey, they, look, they, man. Look, just, I'm, I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm telling you right now, Don will tell you, there's a reason I picked the Jags and I kept saying they were going to be good this year. And you can always kind of spot where this could take off. This is the next Jags. I'm calling it right now, Jim Harbar. But him. look at what you did with the Jacksonville Jaguars. The difference is, is that they went and drafted their franchise quarterback for the future. They had, asked, all, they had them all. They right. had the number one pick. They had them already. They had a ton of cap space, and they just picked the wrong coach. Like, everything else was locked up. This is, exactly. this is a very similar situation. No, but then you're asking this franchise to say, all right, well, let's chase after short-term success with Derek Carr. Instead of getting the franchise quarterback in the building, what the Jaguars did. So none of them quarterbacks that you're going to draft. Derek Carr. Derek Carr is a top twelve quarterback in this league, and he might become top ten in this division. Like this could be Matthew Stafford going to the Rams. Impact if they get the right coach. I. You know what, JT? That's a great move. Like go get Derek Carr. I'm. I'm actually with you there. I, I'm not going to fight you on that. Like I think that's a good move. Oh, but I think the coach that. you've got to bring in if you're going to do that. I love that idea, but the coach you got to bring in is not Harbaugh. The coach you've got to bring in is the Lions OC, Ben Johnson. Can we give him some love, what he did with Jared Goff? I mean, it's incredible. Like, you th- think about the weapons he would have with a DJ Moore. He's got a good backfield, heck of an offensive line, and you bring in Derek Carr? Like, that's great. And I would I would go one step further. If you're going to bring Derek Carr in, you got to re-sign. You got to create cap space. They don't have much cap room, so you got to create that cap space. But one guy you've got to re-sign is their center, Bradley Bozeman. Like, you've got to. He's in his prime. 
They're moving the offensive line. If you want to protect their car, you need this guy to be re-signed and sign him now. But I think you go Ben Johnson. They're going to look like the Detroit Lions. You know, they have some weapons. They don't have a lot of great weapons, but it's like Detroit. No one I think they, they do. And I, I well, think because but, everything but has I'm, been so bad, people don't think they have good weapons. But they really do. That's why it's like Detroit. Like Detroit has good weapons. And I think Carolina low-key has good – like I'm saying, not great weapons. Like they don't have all this Pro Bowl talent. Like with the, but, I agree. With the right coach in the Carolina Collect, they have the best weapons in that division next year. Right. Right. And it, it could be like Detroit. So that's why I think it mirrors that, and I think they should go Ben Johnson. All right, so good job there, fellas. I thought that was good. Um, a lot of teams got a lot of voids to fill. So next segment, Justin, the last time you were here, I don't think we had this segment. So Yeah, yeah, we have, this this the rapid fire round. <laughs> so this segment, hot or not, we're going to give you a statement. All right, a statement, not a question. We're going to give you a statement. And if you agree, you say it's a hot take. If you disagree with it, you say not. All right. And you can go into a little bit of an explanation if you feel, you know, you, you need to validate your, your answer once JT tries to criticize you. All right. So <laughs> first up, it's time to factor in the strength of divisional opponents when having all time great discussions of players and coaches. Not like we don't do it for Brady playing in that soft ass AFC East for all those years. And I know the argument is for Aaron Rodgers playing in the equally soft-ass NFC North. But again, you play who's in front of you. So, no, like you, can't, you can't control that. I think it is time to have that conversation because this is not just a football thing. This is across all sports. Like, you can have the same conversation about Michael Jordan. Like, couldn't win anything until his the teams he played a lot started getting worse. Like, I always say, when Jordan was going to the finals, who was the eighth seed in the East? Like, yeah, I think it is time to have – that conversation for those specific reasons, like Brady played in a generationally weak division for 20 plus years. Aaron Rodgers has done it. And it's no surprise that success, including in players, is tied to weak ass divisions. You got to play multiple times a year. I agree with Justin, not because if you start to have these conversations, opens up Pandora's box. Like, JT, do you know what the AFC Central looked like in the 70s when the Steelers were winning all those Super Bowls? I'm a Steelers fan. I don't know. Like, are we really going to start the nitpick? Yeah, here and well, yeah, say, I know what it looked like. It was hard. It was hard hitting and toothless. Yeah, I get it. Okay, but that was every division. That was the NFC North, right? Like the the old what do they call the black and blue division? The NFC North. Like, if you want to go and do this, there's there's two sides to every story. So, I mean, it, it, it to me it would defeat the purpose. All right. Cool. Next one. Sam Hartman to Notre Dame makes them a college football playoff team. Not we hear this every year with Notre Dame. They're just a quarterback away. They're just a quarterback away. And we've seen over and over what makes these dynasties, for lack of a better term, is just recruiting. Like, forget this idea that coaches are great. They're not any better than you and I. It's just their ability to recruit these great classes. Like Georgia has these great classes of defensive players and so to Alabama with all those running backs and wide receivers and no decent quarterbacks at a particular level, defensive layman. Like, until you have the ability to recruit great classes, it doesn't matter what quarterback you get in the building. So not. Oh, th this is hot. Sam Hartman, great quarterback, and he's not going to Notre Dame to just finish out his college career. This guy's going to go try to win the national title. And, and 
I got I got respect for Marcus Freeman. What he did, I didn't think he could do what he did last year, especially after the start they had. He righted the ship like, yo, now he didn't have a quarterback last year. Like he did not have a quarterback and they still won. I don't know how many games they what they beat Clemson like they're an independent school. They don't need to worry about these conference title games. Yeah, this makes them a CFP team. I'm going to say no, because I don't think they're a quarterback away program and they they're getting the quarterback. But the lack of elite playmakers on offense is just too much to overcome, at least in his first year. And let's I'm going to be honest about something. Notre Dame might have the worst head coaching offensive coordinator combo in the power five. Like, let's be honest. I love Marcus Freeman, but he was abysmal and only to be outdone by his boy, Tommy Reese. Terrible. And they'll be better in year two under Freeman. But let's be honest, TCU would have dragged them by three scores if they would have played this year. Are you saying D- you said defense? I said OC. But what's Mar- Marcus Freeman's a defensive guy? No, I'm saying like he's a head coach and Tommy Reese is the OC, like the worst head coach OC combo. Okay. All right. Hmm. Matt LaFleur is the problem in Green Bay. And they should consider moving on. You already know where I am. Yeah. Like, I already said it. I you guys say hot, hot. Oh, sorry. It's a hot take. I love it. Like, all of your offensive problems were at the start of the year where you could not identify the fact that this should have been a run first team. Like, whether you have Aaron Rodgers or not, that's beyond the point. Your best skill position players, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, your best wide receiver is a run blocking wide receiver. Your burner would have been opened up if you use play action. His not understanding that until the Dallas game is part of the reason that we were so bad and lost five straight games. Yeah, he was a huge problem. So hot take. Yeah, it's a hot take. They shouldn't hire him in the first place. This is the same dude that couldn't unlock Derrick Henry in Tennessee because he thought he should split carries with Deion Lewis is all is shorter than you, Don. So he's wasted Aaron Rodgers' prime. Like terrible coaching he's lost any home field advantage when when things matter most like i just don't think he's a good coach he's not getting enough blame for the failures of green bay i know aaron Rodgers gets a lot heaped on him but he's also a sorry ass coach calling the plays and let's not forget sometimes coaching is hereditary his brother is trash too which is why they he just basically got fired by the jets absolutely they should move on from the floor well that's kind of a, a low blow at at the brother because it's not like they had a quarterback in New York. But anyway, here, no, this is not a, not a take, not a good take. Because the reason is, who are you going to bring in? Aaron Rodgers on his last year or leaving, who are you going to bring in? Jordan Love appears to be making progress. And that's what's important to me. Can you have a quarterback make progress? He looks like he's starting to make progress with this coach and under this system. So why not at least, at the very least, allow him the first shot with Jordan Love and then you can readjust if it doesn't work out. Because what else do you have to lose? Like, to me, who else are you going to bring in and you're going to win right away with Jordan Love? It's going to take time for that new coach and Jordan Love to have chemistry. I think Matt LaFleur has it already with Jordan Love. So you want Matt LaFleur to be the guy to develop your franchise quarterback? Is that He already saying? is, Justin. Then why did you hire him? Why are you keeping him? Why are you keeping Jordan Love? Because he used the same hair gel as Sean McVay. We already know can this. I, can I get some of that? I, I don't know you that gel. The wrong product. Whatever it is, been for get years it for me, haven't called you up yet. I'm sick of you always talking. Just give me the hair gel. 
Hey, you can't afford that. Ooh, good one. Despite the championship, the LeBron era has killed the Lakers franchise. Not because the Lakers franchise was already killed before LeBron James. You see, the problem with the Lakers were that they felt, you know, things didn't change. So the Lakers are custom getting who they wanted all the time. Like you can go back to the days of Kareem. They got shot. They traded for Kobe. You could go on and traded for Pogasol. Then they traded for Anthony Davis. The Lakers have run their franchise. Like whoever we want, we can get because we are LA. We are the lure of, you know, Los Angeles. The issue is you no, know, today's player, they don't care and they don't need the media market or the extravagance of LA to push their own brand. So the Los Angeles Lakers are no longer an attractive place to go. So long before LeBron got there, that franchise was dead because it did not change their modus operandi. In this internet-driven world, you don't have to be in Los Angeles. You don't have to be in New York. You don't need to be in Miami to push your individual brand. And the Los Angeles Lakers have not realized this. Jeannie Buss, well, her brother before that ran us into ground. Jeannie Buss is listening to her best friend. She's listening to Kurt Rabbit. She's listening to her boyfriend. And all of them are beyond clueless. This was before LeBron James. The LeBron James era has not helped this. So I'm going to say not because this has started just before LeBron James even got there. Damn, sound like Jeannie got 99 problems, and you know what ain't one. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with not, but a different reason, Justin. And and one, I still think you need those big media markets if you're a player. Can you imagine if Giannis was in New York? Miami or LA, come on. Like there's still a big difference in those markets. But the reason why this is not a hot take is because if they didn't get LeBron, they were going to get another big name. Like Anthony Davis going to the Lakers was going to happen whether or not LeBron was there. So the fact that you got one title out of LeBron is worth it, is amazing. He didn't kill the franchise. You know what killed the franchise? All of your other terrible moves. Now, whether that was LeBron's fault or not is a different question. But just getting LeBron is not what killed the franchise. It was the people running the franchise, whether it's Rob Palenka, whoever it may have been, whether it's Magic Johnson, I don't know. But they were always going to go after AD. He was the next big guy. They were always going to trade Kuzma and all those guys for him. And whether or not LeBron was there or not, at least LeBron got him a title. And if you want to blame anybody, it's Anthony Davis. He can't stay healthy. I don't think they land Anthony Davis without LeBron James. So it's uh, not they a. Were, but they're going to land someone. They were going to land a superstar. It. They're the anyway. Lakers. They're yeah, the Lakers. Right, but that doesn't. That's not anything to these players anymore. I just remember how Anthony Davis got there. A lot of these players are in clutch sports, and who owns clutch sports again? Like yeah, but clutch not... would have moved them to LA anyway with LeBron yeah. wasn't there because he's yeah. a client. Yeah. No, they're not going to move into L.A. Ben, like, he wasn't going to stay in New Orleans with that media. No, no doubt about it. But just remember, guys, Clut Sports has one goal. Clut Sports is just basically LeBron's way of getting people to come to wherever he's going. That's a reality situation. Like, that's nah, not you ain't, nah, you ain't going to disrespect my man Rich Paul out there who's who's acting like he's the best agent in the game. You ain't going to disrespect him like that. I'm a man out there making money. But I agree. No, this is not a hot take. Because they weren't going to win a title with all the guys they shipped away. Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, Julius Randle, Josh Hart. Look where all those guys are now. They're on the injured reserve. And all LeBron did was expose the bad decisions that the Lakers brass has made. Whether it's Jeannie Buss or her boyfriends or whoever you want to say is making the moves. 
Like it's exposing all their bad moves. And him winning a title will go down as one of the most difficult things that have been accomplished in all of sports when this is all said and done. Like it's that insane that he won a championship with a franchise that's this dysfunctional. All right, next one. Stetson Bennett is a top 20 all-time college football player. Justin. Not. I think we're just living in the moment. We're prisoners of the moment. He has bat-to-bat national titles. But, like, it's almost like we forget, like, Tim Tebow's career. Like, we're forgetting Joe Burrow's one season in LSU. Like, there's so many different seasons. Like, um, you know, uh, what am I forgetting? Cam Newton coming from relative obscurity to lead Clemson or not Clemson, sorry, Auburn to what they were. There are so many different, you could go Vince Young. And I'm just talking quarterbacks here. Matt Lehner at USC. Like all of these players are better than Stetson Bennett's career. Like, like we're, we're prisoners of the moment. And we need to remember the first title that Georgia won. It's not because of Stetson Bennett. It's that damn defense. That damn Georgia defense and their running game is so damn good. And the reason they say that Look at all the first-round talent that they got in the previ- the next year. Look at all the defensive players and then the running backs that have come out of Georgia. Stetson Bennett was the driving force this season, but the first year they won, no, he was a beneficiary of great talent. Stetson Bennett is a good player, but a top 20 all-time college player. Are we kidding me? I, I can call you 10 quarterbacks off the top of my head that have greater careers and I'm just talking quarterbacks. Top 20 all-time, that's crazy. Literally take your argument and apply to any team that wins a national championship. Yeah, they're all going to have a bunch of first-round guys around them. You can say the same thing about Tim Tebow. But you know what? I, I don't believe it on that prisoner moment bullshit right now. I'm going to say this is a hot take. And the reason I hate questions like this is because I feel like when people are judging all-time great college football players, there's two things. One, obviously how they perform in college. And two, how in the moment people think they will translate to the pros. If you qualify for those two things and they're positive, people are always going to have you and some sort of hierarchy when it comes to your college football player rating, regardless if the NFL portion works out or not. So here's the thing. Two national championships back to back. Great accomplishment. He just routed TCU in probably the worst championship game ever. And you forgot last year, who did they beat? They slayed Goliath. And I'm sorry, when was the last time Georgia won a national championship? They were out there acting like the Cubs. And Stetson Bennett brought it home twice. How many back to back? Like how many Heisman? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You got to consider him a top 20 all-time player. Like the degree of difficulty, like it is not easy to take down Nick Saban in his prime and keep him there to where we think he's done. I think there is a conversation to be had. He's at least in the top 30 players. Like, how many guys have gone back to back? See, you're, won a you're changing the benchmark. Is it 20? Is it 30? This statement is 20. It's 20. He's not okay. 20. 30. So, like, so how, it many is, Heisman, how many Heismans does he have? It is not. It, it's not. It's the simple fact of JT. You take him off this team. You put Max Duggan on that team Monday night. You put Bennett on TCU. The score ain't changing. It's 65-7. It may be 65 nothing because I don't even know if TCU scores with Stetson Bennett. And it's no disrespect to him, but when you're talking about all-time greats, bro, are you forgetting, like, everybody, Bo Jackson, 
Like you're forgetting about all these guys. Jameis oh, Winston. Ja you would even oh, put Jameis Winston in front of this guy. You want to go Ken Bush. Dorsey? I'll take Ken Dorsey over and this guy. And, and you're proving my point. The reason Ken, Ken Dorsey, Dorsey didn't have an NFL Ken, career. Ken Dorsey, I'm not throwing in there, but he was actually somebody I was thinking about mentioning. Ken Debo had barely point. an NFL. The reason career. you guys name all those guys, take Johnny Manziel in college, over here. in college, <laughs> and at the time you thought they could be great in the pros, and I Whoa. don't think the pro. Yes. Never thought Johnny Manziel or Dorsey would be great in the People pros. Thought Johnny Manziel was going to be good in the only the Dallas Cowboys. Only the Cowboys. Obviously, a bum in Cleveland did too because he told the owner to draft him. Like y'all need to be realistic. Every college know, you need to player, be realistic. Do your college football, football history homework. Great. They're great this in college, really and people thought they were going to be great in the pros it's, at the time. Like Reggie Bush is, a, is a great college football player all time, but you know why people thought he was great? Because they also thought he was going to be good in the NFL. Bro, like, you're forgetting Stetson about Bennett, Michael Vick, Stetson Bennett, Randy Moss. I don't care more as Matt Leiner. I don't care no. what I don't care Hell what no. you say about the NFL projection. Fine. Let's go with the NFL projection. You taking Moss or Bennett? You taking Michael Vick or Bennett? You taking Bo Jackson or Bennett? You're taking Hey, I'm taking you, Bennett. You taking Charles no Woodson or Bennett? Come on, this is ridiculous. Next taking, question. Go. Are you Next taking question. Ricky Williams or Bennett? Like, this is there's so many. Hey, I, I know Next Bennett question. would be there. Next question. All right. Last one. The playoff expansion will be a disaster for underdog teams like TCU. Is this a hot take or not? It is a hot take. Like, we just saw what happened in the college uh, um, championship game. Like, you're opening and exposing so many of these smaller teams and exactly what happened to TCU. Like, the talent is what it is. Like, I told you all, college football is about recruiting. And a lot of these smaller schools cannot recruit the type of NFL talent that the Georgias and the Alabamas and the USC's and the Ohio State and the Michigans can can recruit. You are losing recruiting war. The moment that you lose recruiting war, that's the end of it. So you are going to expose these smaller schools to exactly what TCU suffered. Not, not a hot take. You're wrong, Justin. And this is the reason why. That's SEC bias speaking. People think Saban's going to coach there forever. You know one name we didn't put on that NFL coaches list? Kirby Smart. There's a chance he leaves Georgia. You don't think there's an NFL? Don't give me calm it down. This is our show. That's a that's a that's a valid point, man. You can't do that. You can't do that. You're telling me there's not one NFL team that's not going to throw him a boatload of money the way they did the Spurrier, the way they did the Saban back in the day. They did it to Matt Rule. Exactly. And not only that, you well, you are going to be wrong. But the only other thing to this is. And JT brings this up all the time, and I agree with him, but I think it's going to change, is that guys go to Miami. They go to Georgia. They're sitting on the bench at Bama. You know why, Justin? Because they know that's their ticket to the first round. But guess what's going to happen? And that's their ticket to the national title. You know what's going to happen? TCU's going to be in the playoffs a lot more because they're going to expand in 2024 to the 12 teams. So guess what? UCFs, Tulane. TCU, maybe Miami, maybe a pit. They're going to be in the college football playoffs. And you know what's going to happen? That dude that's sitting on the bench, Mac Jones, uh, Tua, who's sitting on the bench at Alabama for two years, is going to sit there and be like, why am I doing this? I can get a half a deal of an NIL at TCU, go ball out there, still be a first-round pick, and make the playoffs. And that's going to level the playing field once they start to figure out how to manage the NIL, it's going to level the playing field, dude. I'm yeah, telling they're already, you. They're already doing it now. 
you know, I wanted so so bad to say this was a hot take, but I agree with you. And perfect example is, you know who would have definitely proved our point if they were around right now in this era of college football playoff expansion? Boise State. When Boise State was in their prime, all they did was go on the road and kill Power 5 teams. And you know why they could do it? Because they were well-coached, and they don't have to get beat up every week in conference play. So guess what? He's right. When TCU and Boise State and Washington and Oregon or Miami, whenever we decide to get our shit together, when we get to the playoffs, guess what? We're going to be healthy, and we're going to be getting good recruits and also the other guys that don't want to sit on the bench at Bama while Georgia's on their third string running back with one knee. Like, it's going to even itself out. I think everybody's no, fucking reacted to the TCU. Y'all are missing, y'all missing two valid points here. You kind of half brought it up, but you're missing two very huge valid points. One, NIL money. There are certain schools who are be able to pay, and there are others who will not be able to match. Like, we keep forgetting they... But, but hold on, but hold on. Last time I checked, NIL isn't helping the SEC stranglehold. It's less. I didn't mesh, I did not mention SEC. I'm talking about par five schools in general. I don't have an SEC bias. I just know when it comes to it, the bigger schools will always be able to aid, find the ability to get these NIL deals. But second and most importantly, that what y'all are missing is that there are schools who have a tradition of developing NFL players at particular positions. And that is why you see players go. So when you talk about wide receivers, there's a reason wide receivers are always at Alabama. There's a reason they Because they're going to go in the first oh, round. <laughs> oh, exactly. And the smaller schools that's do not change. have... That's going it to will change. Not. Going to so change. That's going to change. Hold on, hey. let me, now hold on, let me finish. Why do you think that Nick Saban has been able to get these players to sit on the bench all this time behind? You know, why... Because Nick Saban can see I have a history of developing NFL first-rounders. And those guys are willing to sit up a year, maybe two, on a bench because they know they're going to get NFL. It is not going to change, gentlemen. These smaller schools do not have the brand. They do not have the tradition of developing NFL first-rounders. Nick Saban does. And that is not going to change, gentlemen. Two, two things before we move on. I think you're making two major mistakes. One, I think I think you don't know how to identify who is the big schools when it comes to NIL. Because guess what? When you're talking about you can pull, you can crowd surf funds from anywhere in your area, any school can become a big time school in the NIL era, era depending on who has the connections. Like there's a bunch of crappy schools that can now go locally and get money based on their connections. And also People went to Bama and sat there because there was no other way. Like, how do you think Georgia became good? You're like, you know what? Hey, like, I don't got to do it Nick Saban's way. I can go to Georgia, have more fun. Oh, I can go into Oklahoma as a sorry-ass team like USC that has no recent success, and I can just pull Lincoln Riley away. Right, like, because people, they have a NIL will even the playing field. Georgia has a history. Forget about their recent team success. Georgia has a history of developing running backs. So that's why you see running backs keep going there. That's they have a history of de developing defensive laymen. So defensive laymen will keep going to Georgia. That's how it goes. Laybackers right. will go to Georgia. Justin, so to counter two things, JT, who's the who's the receiver at TCU that you love? Quentin Johnston. So Quinston jo Quentin Johnston is going to be a first round pick. Now I understand what you're saying about the history, but all I'm saying is. You don't need to go to Bama to be a first rounder. And Drake May. Who is the runner up in the Heisman? Max Duggan. 
TCU. So when we talk about underdogs, you're right. Georgia's still going to get the big dogs, but this is the difference. With the NIL and with the expansion, let's say TCU's an underdog, but I think people would say Miami, Florida State, Florida, who have not been winning, they're not underdogs, right? What's going to happen is the talent that's going to Georgia and Bama that's sitting on the bench, that's going to be spread out to teams like Miami, Florida, Florida State. So what's going to happen is Georgia will still be good. They won't be this dominant because they won't have the depth. And what happens is, what happens is, teams like TCU can now compete. This is how you. This is how you know he's right. Why JT agrees with why is Alabama not as good this year? Because this is one of the first years where you don't know who the next guy is already. Alabama every year. We know who the next running back is going to be. We know who the next wide receiver is going to be. We know the next quarterback is going to be. Yeah, but who are they going to? We don't know because they're because they're not there. They're not there, and also they're not getting as many great guys involved. Alabama has the most. The most guys are transferring the transfer portal out of any team in the SEC. It's coming, bro. Clemson, same way, Justin. Justin, Clemson, the ACC has caught up to Clemson. I'm sorry. Clemson area. Yeah, I, I, well, I was never a huge fan of of, of uh, Debo anyway. So, but, you know, but he, but they won, and they, they won, won in dominant fashion. What I'm like, saying is the dominance won't be there, and that's why underdogs will be able to compete. I the reason think, Georgia, honestly, the reason Georgia and Alabama have been so dominant is because of depth, and that will change. You I saw, can you see saw what you're saying, but I just too. don't think I just don't think that what you see, like, take for instance TCU. Their quarterback is not a first-round talent. So, yeah, he's great at the college level. I say that to see the first-rounders at their positions. So let's take away Alabama for a second. USC has a tradition of developing wide receivers. That's not going to change because, like, you go to a wide receiver in California, and they're going to say, you know what, USC. I've seen all the history of these wide receivers going through USC. Bro, don't nobody care about Keyshawn Johnson right now. These kids are going to go wherever they want to go. (laughs) Like that tradition I, shit don't matter. Don't let Keyshawn hear you say that, JT. Yeah, yeah, he's, Give a damn about like, it he's probably matters. listening right now. <laughs> it still matters what coaches and what history of developing players are there. That's why again I see all of these defensive linemen and cornerbacks sit down at Alabama because they know that program pumps out first round picks, and that's what they want to become. Like so, whether we feel or right, you're correct, maybe a little bit of the talent starts to spread out. But it won't be the smaller schools that are the beneficiary of that. Like, I still think the traditional correct. blue buds. But, no, you're correct. But the depth that the dominant teams, Georgia, Ohio State, Bama, Clemson, lose to Miami, Tennessee, Florida oh, yeah, State, is going to allow teams like TCU. They're always going to get the Max Duggins. They get a Johnson, a guy like Johnston. Their, their running back, Miller, was hurt. What I'm saying is they're the same going into Monday night. But Georgia's not the same dominance, and that's what's going to make it a closer right, game. Well, well, then I can agree with that because what you're going to see is then the NFL talent being spread about more of the traditional blue buds than the same five or six schools. And yeah, I can Correct. agree with that. Exactly. That's I. That's my point. I don't know if JT agrees with that, but that's my point. You're going to see it spread out now in the first round. Florida, Miami. You know, you look in the Big Ten, Penn State's. You know, teams like that. Right. But the smaller schools like TCU, then I don't, they are okay. I can agree with you all that they will take advantage simply because that talent will be spread among the 
other schools. But right, it's, and that's all they need, though, because TCU with Sonny Dykes is going to know how to win just the way they did this year. They're going to be a 10-12 team like how they are. All right, well, fair enough. I can, I can agree with that. So we'll skip we'll skip the last one, JT, of the hot or not, because that last one was a good one to debate. So we could go on to the next segment. All right. So uh, we're going to go into the last part of the show, weekend predictions. All you got to do is we tell us who you think is going to win. So we're going to start off uh, NFC walk games. So first one on the docket is the Giants at the Vikings. Hey, hey, Justin, no, no pressure, but um, based on how you do here, you got to have 500 or better to get invited back to the next. Well, oh, that's easy. That's easy. No worries. That's, I got this. Okay. I'm going to be right. 100. Just they pick the opposite of me. You're golden. Right. So let's down. see. Let's see I'm what you got. 100. I'm going to be 100. Let's see what you got. Giants at Vikings. Um, I want to pick the Giants in the upset, but reality is the Giants don't have enough to score the Vikings. I have the Vikings on upset alert, but the Vikings are going to eventually pull this off. Got to go Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, got the Vikings home game, man. I, I trust O'Connell. All right, uh, Seahawks at the 49ers. This is not close. This is If there's a blow really coming, that's the that's one. 49ers. Yeah, it, too easy. 49ers. Boom, I'm going the upset. I'm going Woo! Seahawks. Gino, Gino's writing back this weekend. Okay, okay. <laughs> he, he's going to be cooking. Cooking. All right. Monday night game, most interesting game of the week. Dallas at the Bucks. I told you all before, there's nothing telling me that Tampa Bay can win this game. Tom Brady's final uh, game in a Tampa Bay uniform. Give me Dallas. Yeah, I think Tampa's luck runs out those fourth quarter. Con- they shouldn't even be in the playoffs, to be honest. I think Dallas gets – I think they get that win. It's not going to be easy, but but they'll get that win. Hey, I think y'all both crazy, man. Y'all betting against Tom Brady. Y'all do <laughs> y'all do this shit all the time. Bucks. <laughs> Brady we don't learn. Don't we never learn. He ain't trying to go home early. Not, not when it's a home game, too. All right, so let's go over to the AFC. <laughs> Favorite game on the slate, I'm pretty sure, for argumentative purposes. Chargers at Jags rematch. Like we saw it already. Like Brandon Staley is not a head coach in this league, or at least not a good one. Like Jaguars are at home. Absolutely no pressure. Have the entire home crowd rocking. Yeah. Jacksonville. Hey, who's favored in this game? Uh I think it's plus 1.5 Jags. But that was a couple days ago. Yep. So this line started at like two and a half, three. That means Vegas knows something. Chargers on the road favored. I'm going with Vegas. I'm going with the Chargers. They know something. All the public money's going on Jacksonville. That's why the line goes down. But when the sharp money comes in from the pro betters, I bet you that line goes back up because they're taking the Chargers. I'm not going to lie. Not for that reason. That's always a good insight. I'm going to take the Chargers here. And because I think all the pressure is on the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence is the one thing I'm not completely sold on. Like, he got to show me this not a Blake Bortles-type run during the regular season. And I do think Justin Herbert is better, and I think they're going to upset them on the road. JT, the other thing is, I thought Jacksonville played with pressure the other night, or uh, Saturday night, and it showed. Like, Trevor was a little flustered. Tennessee should have won that game. They should have won that game. They were in the position. They made a great defensive play. But if Tannehill's in that game, it's a whole different ball game. Agreed. If Malik Willis is in that game, 
<laughs> if Malik Willis is in that game, it would have been a blowout. But they, they like Josh Dobbs should have won that game. Yeah. So I agree. I, it, it's weird, but I agree with you. All the pressures on Jacksonville. I don't think they're ready yet. I don't I, think, I think they're, they're ready gonna yet be, you're, you're right, though. You you saw this coming. They're going to be a good team, but I don't think it happens uh, this weekend. For I expect to Brandon Steely to do Brandon Steely things. Sorry. I expect Justin Herbert to rise above the madness. All right. Uh, not an interesting game anymore, but we still got to do it. Ravens at Bengals. Lamar Jackson's not playing Bengals. Yeah. Uh, it, it's I'm going to say Bengals, but I think this might be a closer game than what people think. They lost by only – what they lose by, 11? The, the Ravens with their third-string quarterback. And Vegas is setting this line. Maybe they thought Lamar or Huntley would play, but Vegas set the line at five and a half. Like, you would think it should be at least eight, eight and a half. It started at six and a half. Right. And so it went down. That's interesting, meaning money's coming on Baltimore. But six and a half, like, since he should be at least a touchdown favored, favorite, and they're not. So since he's going to win, but this game may be closer than what people think. This is going to be my dumbest pick ever. I'm going to go to the Ravens. And Ooh. I just I just keep what? thinking back. Whether or not Lamar plays, you're saying? Whether or not he plays. Okay. Wow. I just keep thinking back to two things. One, how we kept calling that the Bengals are just not going to be as dominant as they were last year, this year. We've been wrong, JT, been all wrong. year, bro. But I go back. I go. I think some of it's been a little bit of luck for them. But I go back to that first game against the Steelers. Y'all didn't have a quarterback then, and y'all had a solid defense, and it was almost game over. I think this game is going to be close, so I'm going to go with the Ravens. Um, the game that I think really people think there's no chance, and that's my Dolphins at the Bills. Are we even talking about this? We saw what the Dolphins did against Jets with a quarterback of any note. You're playing against Bills. Uh, Bills that's playing like um, Don said for, you know, DeMar Hamlin. You're going to have the crowd. You're going to have one of the better defenses. I, I just don't see a situation where Miami can pull a little upset here, even if to a plate. So I'm going to go Buffalo. Yeah, Buffalo is playing for something, you know, bigger than themselves. And especially with Tua out and Teddy Bridgewater may not play. I, I just I think this is the blowout of the weekend. Sorry, JT. I, I don't like saying that, but Why the hell I, I you just apologizing think, to me. I'm going with the Bills too. Like, well, but that's your team. You know, that that's your trash. team. You still want to have hope. You still want to have hope, but I'm just taking the hope away from you. It's the hope that kills you, Don. Hope that kills you. <laughs> All right. So Justin, great episode. And before we let you go, wait, 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 one more one more thing before we oh, go. Oh one more thing before JT we go. JT got something. I want to give you a, a interesting stat that I read. You might not, you might already know it, but do you know who Ryan Stonehouse is? I have no yes. idea. Yes, the Did punter. Did you hear the, about this? The, this is crazy. So the, the Titans punter, the punter Titans. broke uh, Washington Commander Sammy Ball's single season NFL record of fifty one point four yards per punt, setting a new record with fifty three. The record stood for eighty two years. Damn. Wow. Hey, shout, man, shout out to shout Ryan. Out. Shout, shout out. out to Ryan. Very nice. Very nice. Look at JT pulling the stats. Impressive. Hey, tip, tip the cap. I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> so, Justin, um, before we let you go, please plug your awesome uh, show and let 
the listeners know where they can find you. So it's not a traditional podcast. We are not on streaming platforms. We are really only on YouTube because it is a live sports show. So that's hashtag this just in. Please put in the hashtag. None of you want Max Kellerman. This is indeed the real hashtag this just in. We are on live YouTube every Monday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. If you want our short form content, we are on YouTube. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. We do not have a sexy Instagram like JT and Don. Like they have the best Instagram channel by a mile. I'm not kidding you. So if you're just listening, please, please, please go and subscribe to their Instagram channel. It is indeed easily graphically and content wise the best Instagram channel. But after that, you can come and watch ours. Hashtag this just in every Monday night on YouTube, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. And, and to the fans and listeners out there, he's being modest about his show. It's an awesome show. You got to catch it. We always have fun going on it. And you can see the brilliance tonight, even though I gave him a tough time with some of his answers. But you can see the brilliance and you can get that every Monday night. Hashtag this just in. So, Justin, thank you very much for your time. As always, a lot of fun. Great insight. Green Bay Packers expert. There's a reason why. Great job. Thank you, man. We'd love to have you back on, too. Let's not wait as long. Please don't, but it's you, Don, that has been missing because they have JT, and JT has been sparring by himself, having to deal with Dwayne Marcus and Germ. Oh, my God. I haven't had Germ on in a minute. But having to, you know, spar with Adam, Germ. Uh, yeah, you need to come back on, Don. We're missing I, the other half of the dynamic duel. I do apologize for that, and, and I look forward to coming back on. We'll, we'll make that we'll make that happen for sure. But thank, thank you again for your time. Always. Thank you all for having me. And to the fans and listeners out there, thank you for tuning in as always. And remember to please subscribe to us, JT and the Don All Sports Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you find all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember, if you like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And also remember to please Follow us on social media, our handle, JT and the Don. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook. So, JT, great job, great episode. As always, thank you again to our guy, Justin. JT, until the next episode, see ya. Peace.